Hello and welcome. You are listening to Desperate Acts of Capitalism, a podcast about money, marketing, and how it all goes wrong. Join us on our magical journey through a wonderland of burning money. I'm Evan Swope. And I'm C.T. Kelly. All right, so it's my turn again today. Oh, wow. So uh, before we get started, I want to thank Ray Mikowski for doing the research for this episode. Uh, Ray didn't have anything to plug, but he reminds CT and the audience to drink water. Okay. This isn't water. This is a Coke. It's got to be water. Pour it out. I'm sorry, Ray Mikowski. (laughs) As way of apology, here's a podcast. (laughs) Yes. Okay. The last mile problem is a public transportation dilemma regarding the difficulty of moving passengers from private residences to mass transit centers like bus stops or train stations. Interesting. This spatial inefficiency forces passengers to use personal transportation in order to commute the short distance between the transportation hubs and their homes. Hmm. The last mile problem reduces the intended benefits of public transportation, such as reduced carbon emissions, reduced traffic congestion, and increased convenience. So... There's this problem, the central problem where this whole industry that I'm going to be talking about revolves around, which is you can get people, you know, these mass transit things like buses and trains can get people long distances, but when they actually arrive, they still have to get the small distance or they have to get a small distance to the mass transit center. So a lot of congestion happens, just people getting to the train station, the bus station, like all that stuff that still causes a lot of problems. Micromobility options provide a solution to the last mile problem and are characterized as lightweight, communal, and designed for short distance travel. Like my Heelys. <laughs> exactly. Or scooter sharing systems. Ah. So sco- scooter sharing systems are one of the most heavily adopted micromobility services to solve the last mile problem. So this is mostly a problem in big cities. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody out in rural Arkansas needs a public scooter sharing program. Exactly. So, I mean, people need to move. Like, even though the train is taken this far, they still have a good distance to move. Right. But they don't want to walk. Right. But they also can't afford cars. Right. So these micromobility options, options such as scooter sharing systems, tries to solve it with, like, a middle way. I see. A scooter sharing system is a service in which electric motorized scooters, referred to as e-scooters, are made available to use for short-term rentals. E-scooters are typically dockless, meaning that they do not have a fixed home location and are dropped off and picked up from arbitrary locations in the service area. Interesting. Which is crazy, because That's, literally you yeah. can leave them anywhere in the city. How? I mean, there's got to be some like GPS tracking thing or whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, you, it's not like you put it in like a dock and like lock it. So right, you right. just, once you're at your place, you just drop it on the sidewalk. Right, it's not like those those city like bike share things where there's yeah. like set places you have to leave them. So you can just like you can throw it in the river if you want. I guess. Exactly, and you can use it any distance that you want. You could mm-hmm. just go down the block, or you could take it for a, a few blocks, or right. many blocks, or whatever. As long as the battery holds out. Exactly. Scooter sharing systems work towards providing the public with a fast and convenient mode of transport for last mile mobility in urban areas. Scooter sharing systems are one of the least expensive and most popular micro-mobility options. So, chapter one, the rise of the scooters. In 2012, Scoot Networks released a moped-style vehicle that provided a short-range rental of scooters. In 2017, Bird and Lime introduced dockless electric kick scooters. Bird and Lime. <laughs> It's my favorite uh, lunch lunchtime meal, bird with lime. <laughs> I would like some bird with lime, please. <laughs> you just hear a muffled squawk in the other room. A little like, Bwink. 
the chef threw a lime at a chicken. <laughs> um, since its launch in Santa Monica, California, Bird expanded its services to over a hundred cities. Damn. And reached a valuation of two billion dollars in twenty eighteen. Holy shit. In the same year, Lime amassed over eleven point five million rides. Lyft and Uber the largest ride-sharing companies in the U.S., introduced their own electric scooter-sharing services in 2018. Mm. So this is big business. Right. Yeah, no, that $2 billion, that's huge. It's insane. To rent a dockless e-scooter, users download a smartphone application. The application shows users a map of nearby e-scooters and enables them to unlock them. The application also includes a secure payment gateway such as PayPal. Scooters are equipped with built-in GPS chips and cellular connectivity, which allows them to broadcast their location in real time during a trip. Through GPS and cellular tracking, companies can gather usage statistics, track which scooters are being used, and charge customers accordingly for the time spent per trip. So lots of data going on. Right. They're tracking everything about these scooters. Right. Got all those metrics, which is data that you can sell. Exactly. Um, E-scooters have built-in features to prevent vandalism, theft, and hacking. However, hackers have often stolen e-scooters and replaced existing hardware to convert the scooter for personal use. Yeah, that... I was going to say, that is... Like, if you know anything about computer or network security, these things would be hacked and stolen in minutes. Well, also, they're just lying around. Right, exactly. <laughs> they're literally just, like, on the sidewalk. Like, it's not like the bike, you know, docks where you they're actually locked in, so you right, physically right. can't pull them out. Right. It's like, they're just on the floor. <laughs> if you're able to get around, you know, the software stuff, right? and, you know, you can just take it. Like, right, and I... Evan, I could get you, like, I have no idea what sort of technology these things use. Yeah. I have no idea what sort of hardware they have. I, if you let me boot up Google, I could get you a rootkit for this thing in 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> exactly. Which a lot of people have done. And then they just have a scooter to use. Right. Now you have a free scooter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Bird and Lime e-scooters have created built-in alarms that will trigger if someone attempts to move or tamper with an e-scooter without using the app to unlock it. Interesting. But I'm sure there's ways around that. Um... Chapter 2. A short list of benefits. Traffic conge congestion is amplified by the increased usage of personal automobile transportation as a means of overcoming the last mile problem. Meaning, to solve the last mile problem, if everyone has a car, is going to get very trafficy very quickly. Which it has. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why, you know, like downtown LA, it's yes, like... a hellscape. Exactly. You know, commuting at 8 in the morning is not fun. It is terrible. And, yeah. 46% of all vehicle congestion in the United States can be attributed to drivers making trips within a three-mile radius, mm. and over 60% of car trips fell within the micromobility range, which is zero to five miles. So most of the traffic going on in big cities is people going very short distances. Right. E-scooters provide a means of subverting congestion and output higher speeds than the nine-mile-per-hour average of automobile traffic within major urban hubs. Micromobility investor Oliver Bruce has asserted that 4 trillion miles of automobile travel globally can realistically be replaced with scooter sharing and other micromobility alternatives. Hmm. In theory, as more drivers transition toward the adoption of scooter sharing systems, personal automobile traffic is reduced. I, I don't think that's wrong, actually. No. Like, that I, sounds like a perfectly reasonable thing. Yeah, it's based on pretty a pretty solid theory that, like, you know, like, cars are giant, and when right. a lot of people in a very, you know, small range have cars, it just creates a lot of unnecessary right. traffic. You can fit more scooters than you can cars into a space. Exactly. Scientists have just, just discovered. <laughs> Recent studies are showing... Perhaps scooters are smaller than cars. How do we measure? We will weigh them. See which one weighs less. Uh, we've almost got it. Like those giant scales, like in the, the Monty Python scene where they weigh the, yeah, the witch. Yeah. 
I'll use my larger scales. I will use the larger scales. E-scooters are powered by electricity and therefore have zero direct carbon emissions. The reduced carbon impact between personal automobiles and e-scooters has been a central tenant in the value props of market leaders Bird and Lime. I mean, that's only true if the if you're generating the electricity like with a nuclear plant and right. not a, a coal fire plant, which is where most of the electricity still comes from. Like, yeah. your electric car is probably not carbon neutral. The car itself is, but the right. place that generates the electricity is not. Right, right. There's st- like the same amount of carbon is being used to make the thing go. Exactly. Um, e-scooters are more energy efficient than alternative er- electric vehicle options. A scooter can travel 20 times further than an electric car while consuming equal quantities of energy. While riding e-scooters itself yields a neutral primary carbon footprint, like you said, the production, distribution, and charging of e-scooters creates a significant secondary carbon footprint. In comparison to personal automobiles and dockless e-bikes, e-scooters have a smaller aggregate carbon footprint. However, buses, bikes, and personal electric bipedal vehicles maintain smaller carbon footprints. So just like riding the bus, right. aggregate is you know leaves less than, of a carbon footprint than right. like the cost of making and charging all these scooters. Right, or owning a bike. Owning a bike, yeah. Sure, owning a bike is probably the best. If you're worried about carbon footprint, footprint the bike is the best right. way to the go. bike is probably the best one so chapter three a long list of hazards all right here <laughs> we go there are many recorded instances of people abandoning e-scooters and dumping them into random inaccessible places <laughs> <laughs> which you can do because there's nothing preventing you from right. doing there's so no consequences in june 2019 police divers dredged out 57 shared e-scooters such as bird lime and razor out of the Willamette River in Portland, Oregon. So people just throw them in the river. <laughs> I literally, like, said that as a joke earlier. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's like, what's stopping you? Like, if you just had a bad day, there's no consequence of you just chucking this scooter into a right. river. All the all the people doing the metrics know is that the scooter is in the river. They yeah. don't know who put the scooter in the river. Or why. If or they were just having, like, a shitty day and, like, the last straw was the scooter battery died. And I they're like, fuck this. It's I, going in the river. I don't think they care why you put the scooter in the river. <laughs> it doesn't matter why. The, the fact remains that there's 57 e-scooters in the Portland River. Did you have a good reason for throwing this <laughs> scooter in the river? Well, that's the thing. It's like, there's... You don't need a reason like i said there's no consequences right. reason is not a factor reason is not a factor you can just chuck them in the river there's a scooter there's a river yeah. and they are combined <laughs> exactly visual pollution is another major concern caused by scooter sharing cities due to users illegally parking e-scooters on sidewalks entryways roads and access points visual pollution sounds like a weird like racist dog whistle that's what i was thinking too but it's like I don't know if that's the best way to describe it. The best way to describe it is there's just a bunch of fucking scooters everywhere. Right, now there's just scooters all over the place. It's just like getting in the way of like people riding bikes, people like on motorcycles, people on in cars. Like right. there's just fucking scooters all over the place. Right. Like in front of people's homes. Like just that on could, the sidewalk everywhere. That could be hazards for people who are in wheelchairs or in, you know, like right, just right. need to like move a place. Or, right. Uh, and there's a scooter in the way. Exactly. Like, that will like freak out and cause an alarm if you touch it. Exactly. And you could trip over it. And it's just like, there's a bunch of fucking scooters all over the place. Right. And no accountability of where you leave them. Right, right. E-scooters that are incorrectly parked litter sidewalks and block pedestrian walkways. Riding e-scooters on the sidewalk is discouraged because it disturbs pedestrians and poses a safety risk at high speeds. The average speed of e-scooters is around 20 miles per hour. Oh, wow. But with recent battery improvements, they can go up to 30 miles per hour. That's dangerous. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's very dangerous. Especially in heavily congested city sidewalks. Yeah, like, 
if you're going 30 on a on an e-scooter in LA, you are going to die. Yeah, or just like kill a random person easily. Like that's that's really scary. Yeah, like you just run over a toddler and right. it's like it's not that hard to do. <laughs> Interesting way to put it. <laughs> Both intentionally and unintentionally. Hopefully mostly unintentionally. There is limited but alarming information on the overall scale of injuries caused by electric scooters. Okay. A cl- a a majority of injuries recorded from e-scooter usage were head injuries, and of those cases, 15% were traumatic. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, it's not a majority, but it's a significant minority of injuries. You need to wear a helmet. Yeah, exactly. Broken bones, ligament, tendon, or nerve impairments, severe bleeding, and organ damage are other injuries experienced by electric scooter riders. Um, Unrelated to the scooters. <laughs> exactly. Just other things. Non-riders have been have also been a victim to electric scooter injuries through collisions or tripping on the, the devices in the streets. Literally just tripping over them. Yeah, exactly. In the United States, 11 fatalities occurred between the start of 2018 to mid-2019. Damn. Which is like, it's a, I mean... Comparatively small. Comparatively. That's still 11 scooter fatalities. Yeah, exactly. We don't want any scooter fatalities. And there's probably many, many more injuries for every fatality. Right. And so it's like, what can be done to mitigate? Yeah. Well, first of all, wear a helmet. That'd be a good start. Yeah, that would be a good place to start. Um, Common times of accidents occur during work and rush hours. 33% 33% of all injuries result on sidewalks and 55% occur on streets. So there's people riding e-scooters where people are also riding bikes, cars, motorcycles. Right. Like, it's a lot of different vehicles of different capabilities sharing the same space. Right. Several accidents involve cars and obstacles on the ground, like curbs, poles, or manhole covers. <laughs> Discarded banana peels, turtle shells. <laughs> exactly. It gets very wacky. <laughs> Uh, mechanical problems such as failing brakes and wheels and distracted riders were other contributing factors for accidents. Oh yeah, like if you can just leave them fucking anywhere, who like how often are these things being maintained? Yeah, exactly. And, and <laughs> also want to know, like obviously I don't have the data, but like how many of these collisions were the result of people on e-scooters like tripping over other e-scooters right, or just laying on the sidewalk, like falling, causing like a four e-scooter pileup, <laughs> an exponential e-scooter injury. Here's the other thing, and here's the reason why I became, like, interested in exploring this further. So I have a friend who lives in L.A., Mm -hmm. and whenever I go to visit her, like, this was a couple years ago. Like, I don't know how much this still happens, but there were just, like, these e-scooters laying everywhere. Mm. Like, everywhere. Every, like, sidewalk, there's just, like, a random e-scooter. And she said, like, oh, yeah, like, it's a big thing when people, like, go out on weekends and get drunk and are, like, rolling to rent e-scooters and go for joyrides. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. That's very bad. That's very bad. So a lot of drunk people in big cities are thinking it's really funny to just pick up an e-scooter and go for a ride. <laughs> like, okay, car, like the reason that it's dangerous to drunk drive a car, mm-hmm. right, is because your reaction time is slow. You might not notice a critical thing until it's too late and react too late and then crash into it. But Scooters require you to balance. Exactly. Cars don't require you to maintain your center of gravity. Right. If you zone out when you're at like a stop at a car, like in a car, it's not the you know the biggest deal. But if you zone out, even going at a low speed on a scooter, like you're gonna fall over. And even slightly letting your center of gravity out of alignment on a scooter, yeah, that doesn't. 
like that changes your trajectory. Yeah, exactly. You have to correct for Straight that. Straight into like an open manhole cover. Right. <laughs> or a banana peel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like drunk people aren't known for their sense of balance and their no. center of gravity. They're, and they're, In fact, it's one of the things they're least known for. And they're not known for their ability to tuck and roll. Yeah, like, exactly. Or to use the best judgment when they see like an e-scooter lying on the street. Oh, joy. <laughs> and it takes like just like 30 seconds to just press a button on your app and now you're, you've got like right. your own e-scooter. Right. Oh God. I can see that being a huge problem. Oh my God. Exactly. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I don't have the data on how many of the accidents were caused by, you know, like drunk people, but like I would assume most of the ones that are, that happen at night are. I would assume like higher than 50%. Yeah, for sure. 60% of injured people reported to have reviewed the training created by the e-scooter companies before riding, which really means nothing because right. even if you've reviewed the training you're either going to ignore it or it's not going to be enough. it's a scooter yeah like, how much training can you need don't you know write it into people don't be drunk yeah exactly so the use of helmets could have reduced the amount of traumatic brain injury cases hmm. yet only four percent of those injured reported to have worn one i like, no one's wearing helmets like right, getting an e-scooter yeah. like no one's because it's lame. Well, because then you got to carry around a helmet. Yeah, right? exactly. Because you don't know when you're going to like find an e-scooter. Right. So you're not going to just like have, have, have a helmet have on Have a purse. helmet on you. Yeah. Lime and Bird are redesigning the devices with sturdier brakes to help reduce the mechanical troubles of riding a scooter. That's yeah. good. That's nice. It's cool. Don't know if it's the big problem here. Yeah. It's like, it would be good to have working brakes. Yes. But yes. it's like, we need to make sure drunk people can't access these. Right. Or like, they're not riding it at like peak rush hour times. Right. But also the problem is like, these were designed to be used during rush hour. Right. Like it's designed to when you need to get your, to your job quickly, but you don't have a car. Right, this business model assumes that you will be able to find an e-scooter at very short notice. Exactly. Um, the companies have also been working alongside cities to develop infrastructure, uh, like bike lanes that will be safer for people to travel. That's good. I think bike lanes are just in general a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing, but like it's a lot of regulation and like stuff you have to go through with the cities. Right. Um, a lot of stuff to deal with. Chapter 4, The Anti-Scooter Movement Rises. The term scooter rage or scooter war describes a movement by displeased city residents to illegally dump e-scooters into waterways or bury them so that users are unable to find and rent them. Burying them. (laughs) So people are getting fed up with like people zipping by them and like almost hitting their kid with their e-scooter. And so some, there's like some like, like Luddite, like esque like movement. I don't know how big it is. Like to just like destroy scooters, like out of rage. (laughs) Which is very funny. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I wonder how many of the people, so I know I was saying like, it was just people who had a bad day and chucked their e-scooter into the river. But it right. could also be people who didn't use the scooters. They just are sick of them lying right. around. People who literally just hate scooters. Yeah, they hate these scooters. Uh. <laughs> Several U.S. cities have introduced regulations on e-scooters and scooter sharing companies to address both safety concerns and the illegal dumping of e-scooters. In May 2018, shortly after the initial launch of e-scooters in San Francisco, the city issued a cease and desist order to Bird, Spin, and Lime after receiving about 1,900 complaints from residents regarding sidewalk congestion due to the illegal parking of e-scooters. That's a lot. Yeah, exactly. And this was like a month after it was like introduced to the city. It's like, this is what happens when there's no dock for these scooters. You just leave them in the sidewalk. Right, people just leave them everywhere. Exactly, because a lot of these people are in a rush. And like, they're not going to find time to like carefully park them. As of June 2018, prospective scooter sharing companies are required by the San Francisco Transit Authority to submit a business plan regarding safety concerns and sidewalk clutter 
to receive a permit to rent and own e-scooters. Sounds good. Very reasonable. Washington, D.C.'s District Council has proposed legislation to establish rules to define where e-scooters can be parked, enforce speed limits, and restrict hours of operation. Probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. In September 2019, France banned the riding of e-scooters on sidewalk following oh. an increase in accidents and sidewalk congestion. Is it just on the sidewalk? Seems like it, yeah. Okay. Users who violate the ban will, will be fined 135 euro. Singapore also banned e-scooters on sidewalks as of no- November 2019 after a rise in accidents, including at least one fatality. Violators will face a fine of 2,000 Singapore dollars and or up to three months in jail. Oh, wow. <laughs> Imagine going to jail for three months for riding an e-scooter. It's the Improper, lamest way to get <laughs> improper scooter use. Exactly. Scooter sharing companies collect anonymous GPS and cellular-based data on customer rides, This data helps companies and cities plan for the building of new bike lanes and enforce program rules, such as parking in a loud service area. I can see that. I can see how that information would be useful for, like, city planning and stuff. Exactly. It's a good thing they have all this data because it can hopefully make it safer to use going forward. Right. After many, many injuries. Right. Cities require companies to share data that contains the precise details of when and where e-scooters are used. So this is a new thing you're seeing a lot of cities saying is like if you want to operate e-scooters in this city you have to share all the data with us like we need access to everything chapter five how the hell is this profitable right from a 2019 gizmodo article lime the company whose business model is buying thousands of electric scooters and just sort of leaving them there in the hopes people will ride them is on track to lose 300 million dollars this year oh (laughs) so there we go hmm Per a report in The Information, financial projections that are the first detailed picture to emerge of Lion's financial performance show the company is set to lose the $300 million on revenue of over $420 million. Lime is losing so much money in large part due to de- depreciation of its scooters and how much it costs to run warehouses that repair and position the vehicles. Right. With its fleet of 120,000 scooters seeing an average life of five months. This what? means... Five months. They only last five <laughs> fucking months? Exactly. What? Yeah. The fuck? That they is, die after five months. That is, in, that is, like, that is so insane. That makes me think that this is, like, a front for, like, a lithium battery, like, a lithium battery company. Exactly. That is, that's fucking nuts. Right. What? Oh, my God. So it's, like... Not only are people just like leaving them there after they're done using them, they eventually just stop working and you have to just leave them there. Like, this is a front for a lithium company. That's fucking nuts. So I did the math. This means that if they they lost $300 million on a fleet of 120,000 scooters in a year, this means that per scooter, they lose $2,500 in one year. Oh my god. Like... I could I could design you a scooter that will last longer than five months. That is how. It's insane. And it's like so many are made. And it's so much like waste that is being generated. Just go fucking like 1940s and like just go fucking like 1940s mil spec on it. Like make yeah. everything out of big sheets of stamped metal. Right, like, exactly. I am legitimately shocked. Right. <laughs> the article goes on to say, that kind of loss, of course, is exactly the kind of cost that would arise from leaving countless expensive scooters exposed to the elements and residents angry about said scooters and willing to dump them in the river. Right. <laughs> so, like, these are operating in cities where there's, like, you know, winter. <laughs> like, you know, these things will freeze in the winter. Oh, and, like, God. that's another, like, not only are they just being left on the sidewalk, like, 
they're just exposed to like extreme weather. Right, and you can't like you can't expose the like modern like automotive batteries to extreme temperatures like that. You yeah. have to basically keep them in a garage. You have to keep them climate controlled because the anode like the anode and cathode decay. Right. Like the battery loses overall capacity very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Like there is no better way to destroy an electro a modern electronic battery than rapidly heating and cooling yeah, it. Exactly. Just like leaving it on the sidewalk like day and night, day right. and night, winter, summer, spring, fall. <laughs> Letting it be covered by the winter frost. Yeah, exactly. Like a crop of potatoes. <laughs> and then like when the when the frost melts, all the scooters are revealed. Da, da, yeah. da, da, da. All the children like find the scooters, like <laughs> ride them into the sunset. Oh my god. Lime projects that next year gross revenue will increase to over one billion dollars. <laughs> projections, another red flag. Like insane projections based on <coughs> like extreme projections following extreme loss is like a red flag. Oh my god, that's like <laughs> Yeah, we're losing the <laughs> We're losing a third of a billion dollars yeah. a year, but we're going to make a billion dollars yeah. next year. It's always the very like nice rounded Excelsior! number. <laughs> we're going to make a billion next year, a hundred billion. And the math proves this. They, uh, Lime said that efforts to improve the sturdiness of their scooters will cut operating losses in half. Okay. Sure. Sure. But the 2019 figures have kept some potential investors wary of Lime's losses from joining an effort to raise half a billion dollars in new equity capital. <laughs> some investors are a little bit skeptical. They're, they're getting it in equity capital. Yeah. They're not even like, like, yeah, we're going to make the scooters better and we're going to make a billion dollars next year. Please give us a billion dollars <laughs> so we can make a billion dollars next year. <laughs> exactly. It's like we have no way to make money on these scooters. One scooter per year costs us 25 which is like... Like, that's like movie pass levels of loss. You're not allowed to say shit like that until you've at least turned a profit for one fucking quarter. Exactly. Yeah. When you make one dollar on a scooter Just per year. A single dollar of profit. Exactly. Then you can start talking about how you're rising. Exactly. Uh, while, uh, quote, the investment climate for money-losing consumer businesses has cooled since Lime last raised funds in January due to disastrous IPOs by Uber and Lyft and the ongoing WeWork mess. So, like, all this stuff is happening when, like, Uber, Lyft, and WeWork are, like, all right. this shit, horrible shit is happening oh with their God. IPOs. We need to save up and do, like, a four-part Christmas episode on Uber. Exactly. that is a fucking mess. Right, exactly. And it, like, I mean, you just talked about it. But yeah. All, like, the, the Uber and Lyft and WeWork IPOs all happened within, like, Two months of each other. Exactly. It it seriously changed the landscape of modern investment capital. Yeah, and this is right when these e-scooter companies were getting big. So it, it seriously damaged their potential right. to raise more money. They haven't gone public yet, but people are looking at these things like, ooh. Yeah, right. They've seen the like insane shipwrecks that have happened. Well, and they've they've seen they've seen these companies hit these crazy speculation numbers and then go public at nothing. Yeah, exactly. While points in Lime's favor include an agreement to bring on another lead investor that would slightly pump its two point four billion dollar valuation and aggressive overseas expansion, the information also reported that some investors have concluded that the company loses virtually every every penny it puts into the scooter purchasing to scooter losses, repair, and charging. Which is true. It's yeah. like a very valid like concern. 
And it's like not only like they're more than losing every every penny. Like they're losing like equity capital. Like they're they're losing additional money, not right, just the money right. to build they're, the scooters. They're scaring investors away. They're they're losing future capital. It's with all of this spending, with all of this valuation, yeah. I'm genuinely surprised that they can't find a way with all of that money. Like yeah. Physical physical products like this scale very well, mm-hmm. right? It's the opposite of all the DTC shit. Mm-hmm. It's all like like this is how much it costs to maintain a scooter. Yeah, like and this is how much we would have to charge customers to pay all of the people that maintain these scooters. It's a very simple circle, and the more you scale that up, like the the more scooters you have, the cheaper mass repair becomes. So yeah. I'm genuinely surprised that they aren't able to make that balance right yeah. it seems like they would it seems like you'd have to be able to repair scooters cheaply unless you're i, I don't s- know what they're charging customers though i mean it's only a few dollars per ride like it's, is it is it per riders i thought it was going to be like a subscription model or something well it's i mean it's per like how how far you ride the scooters mm. so it's it, it like depends on you know like how much you use it and stuff but it's only like a few dollars like at most per ride interesting okay like they don't make very much money at all like it's incredibly cheap to to ride these scooters right i mean that's the classic tactic right you sell cheap and then you beat all of your competitors out of the market space and then once you're dominant then you can raise the the rates up just like uber did exactly but they're losing like insane amounts of money right it seems and the scooters are breaking that's the other thing and five months yeah i'm still i i'm okay keep going keep going keep going increasing the lifespan of the scooters is critical because the entire business model relies on them lasting long enough to generate a profit on acquisition costs it seems like none of them have ever done that no exactly apparently five months is not even close to how much it takes to make the money back to to build and charge the scooters You'd think they'd make them bulky, you know? You'd yeah. think, like, a scooter that you're allowed to just leave fucking anywhere on the street of <laughs> L.A. You'd, you'd think they would design them not to be fragile. Like, I would imagine these things to be, like, 1999 Nintendo product bulky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you can drop them off of bridges and right. stuff, and they're, they're apparently not. <sighs> um, adding to the expenditures are regulatory compliance and payment processing. So they... The scooters aren't their only costs right. to operate these businesses. The long-term sustainability of the micromobility business in the U.S. may also be dependent on other uncertain factors, such as whether cities effectively encourage use of such services over cars. Right. They're spending all of that money on, like, lobbying the local governments and adding bike lanes and stuff. That's not cheap. Exactly. Like, those are huge regulatory changes in these massive cities. Right. They take a long time and a lot of persistent use of money. Yes. So the opposite uh, may end up happening in these cities, however. Recent reporting has emphasized that officials in many cities have become wary of the widespread backlash of scooters piling up on streets and high rates of injuries from the devices, in many cases due to the irresponsible riders. So city officials aren't exactly warming up to the idea of these massive e-scooter investments. They're not exactly selling them that well. Remember how San Francisco got 1,900 complaints in a month? Like, official complaints. Um... Lime is currently testing its Gen 3 scooter, which was delayed due to high repair costs in June, as well as exploring how to reduce costs by positioning scooters in higher traffic areas and investing in batteries that could be swapped out more easily. Lime... You'd think they would do shit like that in the first place. <laughs> Apparently like, not. You'd think that would be like an immediate concern. Yeah. <laughs> Lime president Joe Krauss told the information that co- the company believes its new scooters will last longer than a full year, adding, quote, 
The way this business looks in 2020 is materially different. A longer lasting vehicle has a compounding effect on the expense profile of the business. It doesn't matter how, it doesn't really matter how long the scooter can last. Like, you have to be solvent. You have to make the scooter so that it can last long enough to make you a profit on its repair costs. Exactly. And like a significant profit. Like right. investors aren't going to give you money unless they can make a ton of money. Let's not get, let's not jump the gun here. You need to make a profit. Exactly. First. Well, that's a start. Like let's <laughs> not get ahead of ourselves. Let's start by not losing three hundred million a year. <sighs> but you know, eventually, the idea is to make a lot of money on, on this, a lot of profit. Sure, that's great. The idea with a lot of businesses is to make a lot of money, but. See, the problem here, Evan, is that they're not making some money yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're not even making a money yet. Baby steps, I guess. Baby steps. In July, the information re- separately reported that competitor Bird had lost n- nearly $100 million in Q1 2019, while revenue shrank sharply to only about $15 million. Revenue in the entire quarter was $15 million, and they lost $100 million. Oh, my so God. that means they, they lost more than Lime did. If if that trend continued, they would lose four hundred million for that year. I what were it's like what were they doing that Lime wasn't? Like why I, did they lose a hundred million? Were they just like number two in the market space or something? Yeah. Okay, I mean okay. Bird and Lime seem to be like neck and neck for I the see, okay. for the highest the biggest companies. Sources told the site that Bird had only a hundred million dollars in the bank despite raising some seven hundred million. I don't know what they're doing. I mean they're building lots of scooters, but this money is evaporating and they're not making anything back. <laughs> We need $600 million worth of scooters tomorrow, Jerry. (laughs) The company offered a similar explanation that it had expected old scooters to last longer. They expected their scooters to last longer. you got to test that shit first. Right. Oh, we thought they'd last longer. Shoot. Uh... They only last five months? Oh, man, we thought they'd last 15 years. Oh, they'd be the math wrong. You do, you check that shit first. You have to. You can't raise 700 million on these scooters. You haven't tested how long they last. Like, maybe in, like, a garage they last longer. Uh, When they're just on city streets in, like, winter. You you do, like, a test city. You do this shit for, like, a year in Washington, D.C., and then you expand. Exactly. uh, (laughs) Chapter 6. Hello, e-scooter business. Meet COVID. Oh, boy. So now we're catching up to the modern times. Uh. From a uh, Verge article written this May, public transportation is on life support as the pandemic makes people less inclined to want to cram themselves into underground metal tubes with poor air circulation and non-existent social distancing. So why isn't the micromobility industry shared electric bikes and scooters thriving right now? Pray tell, then. Uh, the coronavirus has brought the shared scooter and bike business to the brink of financial collapse. Demand has evaporated. An analysis of credit card data by the New York Times found that spending on scooter rentals has fallen the the most of all transportation modes by nearly 100% in 2020. Companies are laying off employees en masse, and their previously sky-high valuations have almost been wiped out. Just like like that. So remember when Bird and Lime were like, you know, 2019 was a rough year, but 2020, that's when we're really going to make things work. And this like COVID comes billion dollars. It's like they're already on like a very like they're on very thin ice with their investors with right. their revenue streams. I, they weren't even on thin ice. They were already slowly sinking. Yeah, exactly. And now like you added an anchor to like a chain on their right. Ankles. They were they were 
standing on cracking ice that is slowly submerging into freezing water, and then somebody just ran up with a big cartoon mallet that said yeah. COVID <laughs> on it and smacked them like a whack-a-mole. Exactly. They just went straight down into the water. Woof. So, um, now we're going to hear from Courtney Ehrlichman, former direct, deputy executive director of Carnegie Mellon University's Mobility Research Institute. <laughs> I don't know why... But her analysis of the scooter industry is one of the most cutting and mean things I've ever heard, and it's so great. (laughs) Fucking go off, girl. Give it. Quote, the big scooter companies are losing so much money right now. They're just trying to hold their pants on. I don't see them being really strategic, and who's going to throw money in to do that right now? (laughs) She runs a research institute. That's great. They're just struggling to hold their pants on. And she's, she's like, not mincing words here. Like, they're fucked. <laughs> I, I love that last bit of, like, what kind of slack-jawed, applesauce-brained ape moron would invest in this sort of industry? <laughs> exactly. There are some signs that sh- the shared mobility industry could survive the crisis and even come out looking better than before. One of those, it's always darkest before the dawn kind of things. That's, I hate that yeah. phrase. It's not true. And it's darkest at midnight. Exactly. But <laughs> it gets slowly brighter from midnight. I also feel like these early signs that they're saying are all the projections by bird and line. Right. Like, what signs? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the signs that you were talking about when you were losing hundreds of millions of dollars a year. <laughs> like, no, this is good. This was our plan. You idiots. We, you know, we knew that COVID was coming, you know? <sighs> It was our plan to wipe out our own industry. <laughs> we checked our horoscope and saw that there was a plague coming. Um, but before that happens, the scooter industry as a whole will need to shrink, as it already was doing before COVID-19. And a lot of people will probably lose their jobs. Yeah, they just need to cut the fat, Yeah, right? exactly. Slim down a little. Many people have already lost their jobs. Bird and Line, the two biggest companies in terms of fleet size and valuation, both just went through mass layoffs in recent weeks. Ding. Weeks. Eliminating around 580 full-time positions. Bird laid off more than 400 of its employees during a Zoom call that lasted approximately two minutes. A Zoom call! (laughs) Just like gathering everyone in this giant call. It's like, yeah, guys, like COVID came, we can't employ you. Okay, bye. Like, you can collect your (laughs) final paychecks. Okay, and like hanging up before any anyone can respond. Ugh, joy. Like a like that's like an apocalyptic scenario. Like four hundred of your coworkers on a Zoom call, and it's just like all losing their jobs and seeing the look on their faces in two minutes, and then the call ending. It's just like it's. I mean, leaving four hundred employees that you just fired in a Zoom call, where you just fired them. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to have like a union on your yeah, hands. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you have to end that Zoom call so they can't talk to each other. Real quick. (laughs) Yeah. Most recently, Uber offloaded its shared bike and scooter business, Jump, onto Lime as part of an investment that would see Lime's valuation drop by nearly 80%. (laughs) They just fucking, like, like, kicked an anchor into their boat. Yeah. Hey, you guys want... Hey, you guys want our capital? Here, have it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, whatever. What? What? (laughs) We'll take it. Globally, the scooter and bike industry has shed over a thousand full-time jobs in the past few months, according to online tracker layoffs.fyi. So back to Ehrlichman. They're not going to weather it well, uh, said Ehrlichman, who now runs her own strategic advisor firm for mobility companies of the big scooter companies. She's an advisor to these companies. (laughs) Quote, they're focused on return on investment. They're not focused on enhancing mobility. She's so mean. And she's like being paid by these companies. 
I love how it's like, yeah, let's call up our consultant, Arlek, and she's like, what do you want, you dickless little shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, you guys are fucked. You paid me to consult you? Like, find other lines of work. Move back with your parents. You give up. Yeah. I love this bitch. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I love that they're, they're paying her to say these things to the press. <laughs> it's like, I, dream job, honestly. Exactly. Unsurprisingly, there aren't any cities that are currently funding micro-mobility. Hmm. Even New York City's enormously successful city bike program, which is owned by Lyft, operates without a dime of public funding. But there are early signs that some cities may be willing to underwrite scooter sharing in order to stave off their disappearances. Cities like Denver, Tampa, and San Francisco have classified e-scooter businesses as essential. And Portland, which has said it will open up 100 miles of street space, is offering financial incentives to riders to keep e-scooter sharing in operation. So like subsidizing half the rides, that kind of thing. But that's only a few select cities. Even so, most cities probably won't be in the position to waive fees or offer public funding of scooter operations in the near future. The pandemic has taken its toll on many municipal budgets, uh, forcing cities to consider cutting transportation, parks, and education spending. Public transit agencies, which would seem like a natural fit for scooter companies to help address last mile challenges, have seen their revenue streams dry up. So, like, cities aren't doing well right now. No. They're not going to be spending additional money on e-scooter subsidization. <laughs> no. The scooter industry was already facing serious financial headwinds before the pandemic. Scooter sharing has always been a money loser, with most companies relying on venture capital to keep operations running, or to even start in the first right, place. Yeah. Like, there's no like small, you know, like small scale revenue. There, there's models. no mom and pop scooter sharing exactly. services. You need hundreds of million do- of dollars to just start this. Right. It requires buying thousands of scooters and maintaining warehouses full of repair people. Exactly. The industry has been struggling to fix its unit economics, in which the purchase price for each scooter exceeded the amount of revenue it brought in before breaking down. I feel like struggling to balance its (laughs) unit economics is just a fancy term for, like, figuring out how to run a fucking business. Yeah, exactly. How to not lose $2,500 on one per scooter and then make a hundred thousand of them what if i buy oranges for a hundred dollars and then sell them for four dollars you need to find a better balance for your unit economics i think you're really struggling with your unit economics i want to go back to those graphs lime claimed to be on the verge of profitability before the pandemic hit that's a complete lie oh, it's, it was almost there yeah, almost there well bird had said its unit economics had dramatically improved we were only 330 million dollars away from yeah. profitability it's like one that's not even close to being true two that was before covid hit well, so do these idiots know that the numbers are public like do they know that we can like google their fucking k1s like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Like we can. We know that's a lie, you right. schmucks. <laughs> exactly. Our projections show when we tilt oh. the graph upside down. Oh, you mean these projections? Yeah, right. <laughs> the projections that show you dropping to zero and now. I have the projection that has to be correct by law right in front of me here, and it says that actually that's a whole bunch of bullshit, yeah. my guy. You're just not looking at it correctly. I guess not. <laughs> So far, Lime is the only scooter company to raise cash during the pandemic, and this round represented a 79% drop in valuation. Lime's rivals are similarly desperate acts of capitalism, Uh, and likely willing to negotiate. Other e-scooter companies like Bird and Spin are holding on for dear life, praying that demand for scooters returns as the pandemic subsides. Just fucking end it. And that's the story of the e-scooter madness. 
Oh. I mean, that's like, we talk about the DOC curse, but it's like, we don't need to curse these guys. They, like, yeah, no, they're out, on the way out. They're, they're uh, good I, and dead. I remember reading an article a while ago. It might have come up in the research, but yeah. it was basically about how now that all of these e-scooter companies are going belly up, they mm. have all of these old, like, you know, they mentioned that there was that company that had the, the new G3 e-scooter. Yeah. Well, they have a bunch of old e-scooters that are, like, too expensive to repair. So yeah. they just fucking throw them out. Exactly. Right? And so there were there were municipal dumps all over America that were full of fucking <laughs> e-scooters. Like, yeah. perfectly fine e-scooters. Yeah. That, and... Like, so what, like, what people were doing was they were selling root kits to basically, like, disassemble, like, you know, remove all the, the software and stuff. That yeah. means that a company owns them. So that you can just go to these, like, you can go to, like, the fucking dump. Yeah. And they'll just give you the fucking scooters. Right. They'll sell them to you for, like, 20 bucks. And yeah. you can get, and so there was this boom of people scavenging through dumps and getting these, like, $1,200 scooters. Yeah. For 20 bucks, right. refurbishing them and then flipping them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, in return, not only is it a good business, but you've just flooded the market with cheap scooters, right. which even further crashed yeah. the availability of these fucking companies. Like, like, it ate into their market share because now people have, like, owned their own junk scooters. Right. The ones that they're not willing to repair and refurbish. Right. And the people doing this now have a ton of experience refurbishing electric scooters, and many of them went into business doing, like over-the-internet electronic scooter repair, which right. undercut these businesses yeah. even more. <laughs> it's so poetic. And now, even if you've made, you know, a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, like, flipping e-scooters from the dump, you are now more successful at business than all these people who are raising hundreds of millions of dollars. You are now better businessmen than these dudes right. who are going to venture capital firms and getting hundreds of millions. You are explicitly, mathematically yeah. better at business. Provably. Like, you you are smarter and better at business. Ugh. So, it's, it's hilarious. Oh my god. I... Like, that's sort of the most fun part about late capitalism to me. Right. Is all of these idiots that have so much money that they can just blow it on exorbitantly purchasing things that nobody needs. Yeah. That are then completely outmoded and considered trash. Right. Which people can very easily just refurbish and flip. Yeah. And because most of us are poor and working class, yeah. it's like we don't need like a fancy fucking gold-plated scooter yeah, or G3 whatever. Yeah, G3 model. Right. Like, it's like, oh, got a fucking scooter. Right, exactly. It's $200. Yeah, right. Which is super cheap compared to something you'd right, buy. Right, it's like $1,200. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and you own it, and you don't have to pay money every time you fucking ride it. Right, exactly. And you don't have to like you know, worry about all the other people who've used these scooters during a pandemic. <laughs> right, right. And you have access to it whenever you want. And right. you can you can repair it on your own time with your own stuff. And so if if Bird and Lime have inadvertently solved the last mile problem by being so incredibly bad at business, that would be the perfect end to this story. I, just for how fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs this year has been. Yeah. I think there's a significant chance of that happening, right. and I would love that. Yeah, right. Let's hope that happens. We accidentally bought a bunch of really expensive scooters and then, like, uh, threw them away and accidentally flooded our own market with cheap yeah. scooters and drove ourselves out of business, and now 
Because basically all they did was spend hundreds of millions of dollars to buy many Americans a cheap scooter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for free. Right. It's like movie pass, like paying people to go to the their, the movies. I like this is my favorite part about late stage capitalism right. is that eventually it flips over into this bizarro Alice in Wonderland world yeah. where companies are literally paying you to yeah. use their product. Right. Exactly. That's fun. I love that. Yeah. And I love that that's what's I love that that is legitimately what is going to cause, like, global systemic collapse. <laughs> is people just like, please take this money and this product. Right. But hopefully it will also, like, solve some people's problems. Like, giving them a way to get, like, a scooter they normally couldn't afford. Exactly. Like, that would be awesome. If I one... just want that to happen to literally every industry. Right. Like, I want every industry to get to the point where every... they are so desperate that it just... The web of financial chicanery somehow arranges itself to the point where enormous global mega corporations are paying me to buy products. Yeah, exactly. Like, just giving me money and products. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's very silly, but it's also like, if it benefits your life and saves you a ton of money, that's awesome. Well, because the thing is, is that that's basically the death throw of an industry. Mm. Right? Once you reach that point, like your industry is gone and it's not coming back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's, yeah. Unless there is significant change within that market space, when a market space decays to the point where a corporation is paying you to use its product, yeah. that is that's like salting the earth. Right. That is fallow ground. Nothing will grow here. Yeah. <laughs> I just, and so I just want that to happen to every industry to the point where it's like, there's no more corporate power here. Right. It's literally all just like individuals. Yeah. I mean, that would be great. Hopefully that makes the world slightly better. I, you know, you love to see it folks. Yeah. <laughs> That's our slogan. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we say it every episode. Anyway, I think that about does it for scooters. If you have any you know, stories about refurbishing scooters or if you've ever been injured on an e-scooter, please let us know. Yes. Uh, thanks again, Ray, for doing all the research. Really appreciate you. And we will... Uh, and you thank know. you to Ang Anne Henry for uh, editing this episode. Yes. And all the work they've done to make this podcast way better. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. We will catch you later, everyone. Whee! We love you. Big things are coming. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter at DAOCCast, Instagram at Desperate Acts of Capitalism, and Tumblr at DesperateActsOfCapitalism.tumblr.com. And remember, next week's episode is up right this moment on our Patreon. Join us there for bonus content, including an entire second podcast, Business Desserts, where Evan and I talk about current business news and whatever we feel like talking about that week. And thank you so much for listening. We love you. Big things are coming.